John liked to always put butter on his blank. You know, just the word blank there. Muffin. (laughs) But. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who bought their shoes at Kinney and their books at B. Dalton. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be saving the shows we watched while lying on the couch with a cool washcloth on our foreheads, Vic's vapor rub on our chests and a little ginger ale on the coffee table. We're talking about the 70s version of reality TV, our favorite game shows. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Carolyn and Michelle, come on down for this first episode devoted to our favorite game shows of the Gen X era. A topic I'm sure we'll be revisiting because I don't think we can ever have too much Bob Barker in our lives. I love Bob Barker. Um, he's still in our okay. lives, right? Yeah, yeah he's still yes, in our he lives. Is. Yes, he is. He's 97 yeah. years old or something Well, like yeah. So, of course, we didn't just watch game shows when we were sick, but there's no way to divorce the memory of The Price is Right from being homesick from school. Okay, so my friend Martha, who said, um, do it in your neighbor's butt, it's the same person (laughs) from the Miss Heard Lyrics episode (laughs) who thought the Bee Gees were saying, do it in your neighbor's butt. Um, This was her sick day um, game that she played. This was her sick day game that she played. Watching The Price is Right, she's lying down on the couch, and when the show begins and they go, come on down, and the audience is clapping. The audience is clapping from the moment the song starts. Mm-hmm. And so you clap, you clap, and the game is you can't stop clapping <laughs> until the audience stops clapping. And what you figure out when you play this game is that the audience claps for a freakishly long time. <laughs> and after a while, you're like, like oh, my God. Oh, my God, I can't I gotta stop clapping. I can't it's too much you guys have to try it now it's a workout it's a workout yes uh-huh. okay. you have yeah, to you stop right clapping. now don't stop clapping don't stop no not now amelia bedelia <laughs> i think at home <laughs> yeah okay, i yeah. think it's the best game show ever i mean i think my game was always um to perfect my run down to contestants row right who didn't do oh. that oh. you know you kind of uh-huh. you kind of wave your arms and flail them back and forth in the air as you're running <laughs> Did you try running down the stairs? Because that sounds dangerous. Just running around the living room, I'm sure. (laughs) I just remember, like, how would I do it? Would I, like, would they be, like, jazz hands that go back and forth? (laughs) Would they be kind of, like, Muppet hands that just kind of flail around? You know, would I run clapping? Maybe you run clapping. No, but maybe you run clapping. I don't know. And then how much time did you guys spend shouting at your TVs? Like, four dollars! Four dollars? What is she talking about? (laughs) No, oh! Yeah, Uh (laughs) Yeah, and I would have a um, pen and paper and calculator ready because my sister and I would bid on the showcase, our own bids. And then as soon Mm -hmm. as they would say what the actual 
price uh-huh. was, I'd quickly do some math because one of us was going to win the showcase. So we actually oh. played and had our own guesses. You had a calculator. Yeah, that's fabulous. And that's actually what they had, too. I was watching a documentary about The Price is Right in early days of The Price is Right. They basically had a calculator right there on the (laughs) sidelines and were kind of doing the math so they could tell the – I'm not going to get this right – the technical people what to put in. So the digital numbers came up how much you were off. and Okay, and in those days, the calculator was kind of a newfangled operation. Yeah, right. this was not like I remember going to Sears to buy my dad a calculator. Like the whole family went to Sears to buy the calculator, yeah. and it probably was in the locked case. I remember buying my mom one for Christmas, and yep. it was in like a jewelry case almost. They're like, which one? And they had to <laughs> unlock the case, take it out. Texas Instruments. I think one of the things I loved about the Price Is Right is all the different games that you would get to play, and mm-hmm. to me, those seemed really technologically advanced. And now, now they're not. But didn't you think? I mean, that little mountain oh, yeah. climber that could climb up. The, oh, I loved him. The little with right. and his hat on. Yes, yeah. but didn't you think that was you pretty? Go like this? <laughs> yes. And then if he got to the end <laughs> and he fell <laughs> off the other, oh end. yes, but, that was so sad. But didn't you guys think all those games were pretty advanced? Oh, sure. It was at the time like I did going yeah. to Disneyland. It was like Small yeah. World, where all the people were moving and stuff like that. Everything was <laughs> so mechanical and advanced. Yeah, it makes me think of Rhoda behind the voting board. Remember oh, yeah. it? when she's helping Mary yes. Do, yes. do the news on election night? Yes. She's just like with her hand, like moving yeah. the numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how but, it was. And I think the prices right today, the games are way more advanced. But did you guys have any favorites of all the little games that they would play? Can you think of any favorites that you had or ones you didn't like? I never liked the ones where was like higher or lower. Like there were two prizes up there. Those are my favorite. Yeah. You liked those? Yeah, because it was easy for me to play. So that oh. if it was just like they would say, all you had to know is they would have a box of rice the San Francisco treat. <laughs> and all, and they would say, okay. And all he would do is flip down the little thing and it would say 79 cents. And those were easy for me to go, no, higher, <laughs> higher. Or, or I could join in. You could hear the crowd. You could hear the audience yelling higher or lower. Mm-hmm. If the audience is yelling a price, like if it's for a car and the audience is yelling out, 5260 and they're all yelling different things. It's very hard for me to play along. But if I don't know the price of rice roni because I'm an eight-year-old child, but I'm homesick from school and I can hear the audience yelling, higher, higher, higher. I can join in from the couch. Higher, 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 right? <laughs> and that one was super easy because it was just higher or lower. That's all it was. There was a lot of rice roni wasn't there? Yes. There was. Lots of, the San Francisco treat? Yeah. The game I loved was, I think it was called mm-hmm. Any Number. And it's when they had the three prizes, like the top prize, usually a car, M- second prize, something middle of the road. And the third was like mm-hmm. the piggy bank. Frigidaire. Yeah. And oh, you yeah. had to like guess. And so you would yell out the numbers. And here is so telling as to what era it was. I'd always say three, maybe sometimes four, because that was always the first number in the car. The car was always 3,000 and something or oh. 4,000 and something. Yeah. Oh, so, my goodness. Yes. And so those mm-hmm. were always, and I was always amazed when they'd say something like, you know, nine. And I'd be like, yeah. what? I mean, sometimes no, that might be yeah. a later number, but right. I always have to start with three or four and get that out of yeah. the way. Because if it wasn't three, then you knew it was going to be four. So oh, you okay. just needed to yeah. go ahead and get yeah. those out. And so, and I, let's just say, I mean, the car is what everybody wants. It's the car. Oh, gosh, it's all about course. the car. Of Screw course. the dishwasher. A new car. Right. Yes. It was like mm-hmm. a, it was like a Pinto. 
Right. <laughs> um, I loved the game called Punch a Bunch where a big board comes out. They probably still have it, but it's probably not like literally just construction paper behind it. And you have to punch your hand through and pull out different things. I loved that one. And then the one I hated the most because I felt like it seemed impossible and it was really unfair is the hole in one game where you had to put, you had to putt and you mm-hmm. had to get, oh, and yeah. that was always for a car. And who's going to get the hole in one? Well, right. not you because you're not Bob athletic. Barker always did. And Remember Bob Barker always did? Yeah. He did? Mm-hmm. Traumatic gym experience might affect your, um, your <laughs> right. ability to hit the, uh, mm-hmm. the hole-in-one. I was just wondering if you have ever seen the Happy Gilmore. Uh, have you seen Happy Gilmore? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. So lots. when Bob Barker and Adam Sandler are partners in a golf mm-hmm. tournament and Happy yeah. is really bad and they get in a big fight and it's mm-hmm. funny. I um, Did you guys love um, – did you have favorite Barker beauties? I did. I loved Holly and I loved Janice. Remember Holly with I the red like, hair? Yes, I did love Holly. I did mm-hmm. love Holly. And Janice yeah. had the blonde hair. She looked like a Barbie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Miss I America like Barbie. Too. They did feel yeah. like authority figures to me. Like I, for some reason, I, I imbued them with some sort of respect. These, yeah. And I didn't know they were called the Barker Beauties. I had no oh, idea. Oh, yeah. But they, I, I thought they were like teachers or something. This is something I've wondered about before. How many people thought about oh, I really want X. I want, I wish I could go on a game show so I could get X. Like, for instance, we did not have a dishwasher when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I'd be sitting there, standing on my chair, washing dishes because I'm not tall enough to stand at the sink and doing it. And I think to myself, how, how <laughs> could we get a dishwasher? Oh my God, maybe, maybe if we could go on a game show, as if we couldn't go and just buy one. I just thought that there right. was no possible way to gather enough. Like, was a dishwasher $5 million? There's just no way you could possibly buy one. You mm-hmm. have to win one. Right. And I just wonder if there are other people who fantasized about that. I don't know. I wanted the hot tub. That was my thing I always oh, wanted. And sure. that was mm-hmm. that was either a standalone thing or it was often in the showcase showdown. So whatever showcase showdown had the hot tub, that's the one I was going to bid on. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't always mm-hmm. a showcase. Well, there was always a showcase at the end, but there wasn't always the wheel that you spun. That only happened when they went to an hour-long game show format for Price is Right, which was the first game show um, to ever go to an hour format. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know that I ever watched it without the wheel. Oh, yeah. Where two people were competing for the showcase. That's that's the only way I remember it. Yeah. Well, there was always two people competing, but it was just the top two of the, oh, of maybe, the yeah. night that okay. it, or the day that had come up because oh, I don't know okay. if you guys remember there was a morning, there was the daytime one, which is primarily what we're going to talk about with Bob Barker. But then there was an evening Price is Right. And Dennis James was the host of that. But the Price is Right was, I mean, the one, I think when we ask anyone what their favorite mm-hmm. memory of a daytime mm-hmm. game show and staying home, it would be the Price is Right, which actually, in case you didn't know, first aired in 1956. Oh, I really? No. Wow. But, with um, Bob Barker? Not with Bob Barker. Bob Barker, okay. our uh, memory or what we remember of The Price is Right, that did start in 1972. But there were it- iterations of the game throughout the 60s. But the one we know was 1972. And it was produced by two names that I bet you'll know if I give you a little hint. Because as soon as okay. I saw the first name, I could tell you the, the second name. And it would always say at the end... Um, a production of, and then it would say two names. Does anyone remember what they are? Oh my God. Yeah, I if can I see said them. Mark and I know was when the you first s- name. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, shoot. Um, 
Oh, Mar- um, it's right it's here. A Mark, a Mark it's same. Good, Goodman production. Good, Goodman. Good. Very good. A Mark yeah. Goodson <laughs> and and Bill Todd. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe I got that. Yes. A Mark Goodson and it's Bill Todd. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God, and they so were funny. like the kings of game shows. If you think mm-hmm. about it, a lot of the ones that maybe we'll talk about later were. Um, productions of Mark Goodson and Bill Todman. I'm so proud of myself right now. It was, and Price is Right wow. wasn't as much. I wasn't. It wasn't as much a sick day memory for me as as it, as it is an every day of the summer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that like too. I remember when school went back in the fall. I loved school, but I was really sad to not get to watch Price is Right every day. <laughs> you miss your Bob Barker. Yeah, well, that mm-hmm. was every, every day, every single day. And mm-hmm. it was actually this is backtracking a little bit, but it was the first game show to ever be broadcast in color. And of oh, course, when we wow. get to the seventies, which of course we think color, it think of the the um, what's the word I want everyone the color palette the color palette of that show just the bright everything was yeah. kind of this kaleidoscope of color it was so and 70s that was the seventies when you think yeah. about it it really was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so September fourth nineteen seventy two was actually the day that Bob Barker appeared in our living rooms as the host of The Price Is Right where he stayed for the next thirty five <gasps> years. You wow. guys, 35 every day. years, every day. And they Is didn't. that a record? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I know he's won a Lifetime <laughs> Achievement Award for it, um, certainly for game show host. I don't mm-hmm. know about. Let's probably. say yes. Let's say yeah, yes. Go Let's say yes. he holds the record for the research. longest running game show host. Mm-hmm. And We've given him the PCPS Award for that. Mm-hmm. But his story of becoming a game show host is kind of godipitous. I want to tell you guys about that. So. Bob Barker, back in the 50s, he had a radio show. He was a DJ at a radio station that shared its space with a TV studio where an audience participation show was produced live. And so one day, the host of that show was actually too drunk to come on and host the show. So the producers kind of were scrambling. They ran to the radio station. They grabbed Bob to come do this live TV show. And he didn't know what he was doing. He went out there. He said he got a few laughs, and he was hooked. He knew this is what he wanted to do forever. So moving around, ended up moving to LA. He had his own radio show there for about six years. And then in 1956, he was hired to host the game show, Truth or Consequences. And that is when his career began in game show hosting. And then of course, we know the rest is history after September 4th, 1972, when he became the permanent host of The Price is Right. He was so handsome back then too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was always kind of a handsome, but in my memory, certainly in the 70s, he was always kind of an older man. Oh, yeah. yeah he probably was like, wasn't any older than we are now about. or something oh, in, when I was guys, watching him. But, but as a small, you know, as a six-year-old or a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, when I was watching it, Bob Barker seemed older, like older than my parents, older mm-hmm. than oh, yeah. maybe maybe like a young grandpa type. But I'm just trying to imagine if he was handsome then, what he must have looked like in like 1960. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a tiger, as they say. <laughs> you know what they say about Bob Barker. Yow. <laughs> Yow. Those well, Barker I'm beauties. Share a f- um, funny story with you guys. So, um, Andy, my husband now, when we were in college. Now, just now. now just now. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Ask her again in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. That's right. My current husband. Um, when we were in college, we had the same major. He was a year older. But anyway, we would be in class, you know, the first day in. A new semester, you're going around the room and lots of times they're saying, well, what do you plan to do with your communications major? What are your future plans? And Andy undoubtedly every time would say he was going to replace Bob Barker 
on The Price is Right. That, <gasps> that was, was his, his thing. That was his thing. I mean, so much so that, like, we've gone to reunions and people, I mean, people texted him, emailed him when Bob Barker did retire, and people remembered yeah. that from college. I know. It's super crazy. When, They're like, when do you start? Yeah. Did you start on like, Monday? Did you see? <laughs> He's retiring, remember? Um, so that was always- Drew Carey beat you out. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to move to California, if truth be told. <laughs> To Burbank. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. That's right. mm-hmm. CBS Studios. Anyway, so he, um, yeah, that was always our fun um, little joke that went on. And yeah. when he, we moved from Virginia to Texas and his coworkers gave him a going away party, it was all as the price is right. So his, his former secretaries and stuff were Cochran's. I don't know. They had some name. They were Barker's Beauties, but not. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't finish the rest I of that. They were Cochran's something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's get rid of the alliteration. That's right. It's anyway. more about me than him. It was really cute. So Bob oh Barker is a special place in my heart because of, of mm-hmm. all of that. Okay. Price is Right Rules is one of those things that is sort of like a Gen X marker. Like the people who understand what Price is Right Rules is are whatever. Mm-hmm. You can No matter what you're playing, you can say, okay, Price is Right Rules. Right. And generally, yeah. people our age know what that is. Yeah. You can't yeah. go over. You can't go, go over, over the price. Uh, Whoever gets the highest one without mm-hmm. going over, yeah. you're the yeah. winner. And we have a name for it, and we can identify each other based on your knowledge of what that means. Okay, so Carolyn, so when did game shows actually become a staple of daytime TV? Because that's how we think of it. Right. This is sick day viewing or summertime mm-hmm. viewing. Right. And it actually did become the staple that it is right in our childhood. It was the early hmm. 70s when um, the networks decided that they needed to kind of liven things up a bit. They had two motivating factors to going to game shows. One was that game shows were the least expensive of any kind of programming to produce. Studio time was a major cost factor for TV programming. And those costs could actually be cut as much as like 80% with game shows because you could technically do a whole week's worth of game show episodes in one day. They could do five episodes in one day. So you're talking um, major cost savings there. And the other reason was they wanted to reach more females. And in the early 70s, there were a lot of females staying at home. And I found an interesting article that I want to share with you guys. It was a 1974 article in the New York Times, and it details this rise in game shows. Because at that time in 1974, you could, between the hours of 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. on any major network, was always a game show. There were nine game shows just within that span of time. But they were really targeted to our moms. And I want you guys to hear this. So in this uh, New York Times article, they got a quote from Lynn Bolin, who was the VP of daytime programming for NBC. And Lynn said that women who watch TV during the day want something that they can follow mechanically while they do their housework. Okay, so something that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have to feel guilty if they were just sitting idly in front of the TV. Uh, A a housewife might need to be ironing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So game shows were ideal because there were buzzers and bells and audience applause. So the woman at home could keep track kind of of what was going on, but she didn't have to have her eyes glued on the TV, which you would have to do if you were watching your soap opera. Or Lynn's example, the Dinah Shore show, where it's a talk show and you'd have to sit and kind of pay attention. So it was all targeted to women 
who were staying at home doing these hmm. menial, mundane tasks. Yeah. Okay, that is kind of, you're blowing my mind right now, is first of all, that's brilliant. And one of the reasons it's brilliant is because when you first started saying this, that this was aimed at women, nine TV shows all during the day, and my first thought went to when I was at home with a toddler, and I would never have the courage to sit down and watch TV like that because I would be, I should be doing something productive. Oh, absolutely. Um, where is my child? Right. Um, I should be checking something off my list. I can't just sit here and watch. But that alleviates that burden. Mm -hmm. And I will say that that's a societal pressure. And so they had this like gold mine, really, because when you think of the Price is Right, for example, not only does it have the bells and whistles and all of that kind of stuff, it is advertising all these items right. that these women would be buying at the grocery store. The rice aroni. Oh, my God. Oh, the San Francisco yes. The hamburger helper. The detergent. Oh, yes. beanie. You know, all of <laughs> All of yes. those things. This was just a great idea because <laughs> not only are you adverti advertising, the advertisers are giving you money for this product placement. So you are getting mm -hmm. money from Hamburger Helper and Rice Aroni to uh, advertise their products. Mm -hmm. and, it, and just putting them on the show gives them desirability. Right. Right. Like you get a year's supply of rice <laughs> And that alone is like, oh, we must want rice -aroni. And let's be honest, you guys, we all loved, loved, loved The Price is Right. And wasn't mm -hmm. it everyone's dream to be on it, to be a contestant yes. on it? Goals. Like I said Hashtag earlier, didn't goals. we? Yes. And like I said, mm -hmm. didn't we all practice our run to contestants row? Didn't yeah. we all imagine what we would say when Bob Barker brought us up on stage? Would we be terrified? Would we be clever? <laughs> um did we all dream about what prizes we would choose? Like the I told car. you, I wanted Always that hot car. tub. Oh, I wanted the, the hot tub. <laughs> yeah, I was a Carolyn, did you have too. a dream prize? The car too? Yeah. And there were some people who wanted that stuff so badly that they would camp out. Mm -hmm. They would. They'd camp out a lot. <laughs> they'd camp out <laughs> yeah. hundreds of times. There's one gentleman who has made it into the audience at least 180 times he has set the oh record. I think wow. he's been actually called up on stage and been an actual contestant twice, but mm -hmm. he's a super fan. And they have these super fan groups out there that give you hints on when to get in line and what to do. Um, so it's amazing that my friend Karen actually made it on the show. That's right. Karen is one of our biggest PCPS super fans. And Karen and Carolyn actually have been friends for decades. And Karen not only achieved the dream of getting on The Price is Right, she actually got a little bit farther. Here's Karen's really, really exciting Price is Right story. I decided to fly out to California to visit a friend, a college friend. We laughed about he didn't take a day off work. The entire time I was there, I had to come up with my own things to do every day. And uh, so the night before we thought, Hey, maybe I'll go see a game show or go, you know, do something like that. So that morning he dropped me off at the studio and I just got in line. I had, I didn't have a ticket. I didn't think you had to have a ticket, but when I got in line, I was behind these two really sweet ladies. And I, I want to say their names honestly were like Mert and Gert and they had some kind of ticket that they were able to get in and they, and it would allow you to bring more than one person. So they said, Oh, you can get in with us. And I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> I mean, I was there for like seven hours or seven or eight hours, not filming the show, but just waiting. They did let us get out of line to go have lunch. And I hung out with my golden girlfriends. And then right before you come in, they you stop and sitting in these director's chairs is like the director and his assistant. And they just go down the line and they say, um, you know, tell us your name and where you're from. And they just go bang, 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 bang. And then that's when they choose who they want to be on the show. So I was chosen then, but I didn't know. So and so we're sitting in the audience and um, they do the, the uh, when they, you know, call your name, I was number three of the first four. And I mean, I just, when they said my name, I was just like in shock. Like, yeah. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh. And so I Did ran up there. Down, yes, like, yes, yes. Did yes, you put yes, your hands yes, in the air? Yes, yes. Uh, first item came for bids and it was this tennis ball machine, you know, that shoots out the tennis balls. <laughs> I mean, Listen, they don't give you pencils. They don't give you paper. They don't give you calculators. I mean, you just have to come up with something. You just on the fly. And so I'm like, I have no idea how much these things cost. Well, I had met earlier because you meet people online, this couple that had just gotten married. And I just looked at this uh, this couple and the husband was saying some number. And they probably thought I knew them, which I didn't. And I just said whatever he said. And you know what? I won. I won. <laughs> I was the closest one. So I ran on stage. Well, it doesn't seem like it happened. I mean, it, it honestly, it, it's funny when it comes up and people talk about it. I'm like, it doesn't seem like it really happened. So I got on stage and my, the game was, and I will say this, to this day, I still don't understand the game. Okay. It was very confusing <laughs> and I still don't understand it. And uh, so a door opens and there is a dishwasher and then the other one opens and there is a bar. They had these dollar amounts underneath them. And then they said, which is the better bargain? I, I just still don't even understand the game. So I mean, the whole audience, I'm looking at the audience and I'm like, uh, they're all screaming bar. So I said, bar. And it was right. <laughs> I had to go sit back in the audience, but on the front row by myself, waiting for the spin the wheel time. I mean, it was just so surreal, the whole thing. So it was time for spin the wheel. I'm like, okay. And so I get up there and I spin and it lands on 80 cents. <laughs> In one spin, I'm in the showcase showdown. Here's what I would like. I want the camera to cut to Mert and Gert right now and watch them like losing their minds, but also a little bit upset. <laughs> I think they're excited for me. I think they're excited. I had to then go sit back in my seat and wait because then they had to do three more games in the spin of the wheel. So I went and you know sat down and then I came back. I had won the most, so I got to decide if I wanted to pass or play. And this is something that for your pop culture preservation society people would uh, would um, relate to this. My mom, after the whole thing was over, um, said, well, how did you know to pass or play? And I'm like, you always know. I said, I grew up watching this show. You always, you just know that. I'm thinking, didn't you watch? So we both did our bids. Like they showed her, they showed the first one. I obviously passed. And then they showed mine. And mine was a refrigerator, a um, baby grand piano, and a camper trailer. That you a camper? camper? 
camper trailer you hooked your truck. It's not a driving one, but a camper trailer. Oh my God. And so I had to, you know, give what, what, you know, I thought the amount was. Yeah. Well, was when your I said, like, spending, like, were you even knowing? Like, I would be like, I don't know how much a camper trailer is. I probably guess like something so wrong. Well, what I can't did, go over. Yeah. Well, the audience, like, oh, okay. true. So I am literally looking at the audience and just thinking, okay, trying to understand what they're saying. Yeah. And, stuff. and so when I say my amount, I say it almost questioning, like, uh, I'm just going to make up something, um, 24,000. And he's like, and, and the music starts coming on and stuff. And he's like, is that your bid? And I said, I, I think, I don't know. What are they saying? And he's like, I don't know what they're saying. I mean, I just didn't know. Like I said, they don't give you calculators or pencils or pens or paper. She bid and she was way far away from the thing. And then when they said mine, I was the closest and I won. And it was, oh, it was just crazy. And then what was so sweet is, you know, then at the end, how they have you run on stage and stuff. Well, Mert and Gert came up there oh, and they so were, you. they were skipping. They were skipping. They were so excited. And Holly and Janice said, oh, are these your grandmothers? I said, no, I just met on today. And I was, and you know, like back then we didn't have cell phones. I mean, you know, I couldn't, I wish I had gotten their information or whatever, but you know, that was the last time I saw them was on stage. I saw Mert and Gert ever again. No, and no, they're because, a part of this huge memory. I know, I know, I know. It, because after the show, they whisk you off and have you start signing all this paperwork and stuff like that. So I never saw them again. Maybe but they, they were like two angels. I'm thinking they were two oh. angels that just came down. God sent them down because you were sad about leaving your job. And then they just flew back up. <laughs> It was so funny. It really is hard for me to believe I was on the show. Oh my gosh. You guys, first of all, Karen, we love you. We love your enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, we love that now we know someone that actually won the Showcase Showdown. That's insane. It's like I wanted to reach out and touch her. Because she's been on the stage with Bob Barker with that name yes. tag. I'm so I'm as enamored with the name tag as I am with Bob Barker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And we'll be posting, people listening, we'll be posting a picture of Karen, um, Karen and her name tag and all of this uh, <laughs> little souvenirs she still has from her time on the show. But I would give anything to see Karen um, winning that showcase showdown oh, with Mert and Gert running on stage. And, and I God, have tried I to find that episode. I've gone on YouTube. I've gone everywhere. I have found the episode from the day before. So her episode aired April 24th, 1990. Yeah, 1990. Mm -hmm. So if anybody has any access to mm -hmm. Price is Right episodes from the 90s, contact us because Karen mm -hmm. really wishes she had video of that and she wants to find her friends Mert and Gert. She'd love to track them down too. So anybody have any Isn't it funny how we document absolutely everything? We have video of everything our children have ever done in their entire lives. And Karen has no proof of her ever being on The Price is Right. She just went home. Well, she's got that bar. Yeah, she does have the bar. That <laughs> That's right. She's got <laughs> that freestanding bar. <laughs> right. And her name tag. Which is Don't fabulous. I would she's never get rid tag. of that bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Welcome to the middle of the episode game show where you have the opportunity to leave with all new PCPS merch. Kristen from Anoka and Carolyn from Fargo. Are you ready to play? I'm ready, Bob. I am ready. Let's do it, Bob. All right, Kristen, the first question is for you. 
What's the best way for this incredible, joy-inducing podcast to keep getting heard? That would be sharing the PCPS with everyone. Absolutely. And for 100 bonus points, Kristen, how can people do that? By sharing our social media posts um, and by old-fashioned word of mouth, Bob, telling everyone they know about the PCPS. That's right. And that's 250 points to Kristen. Carolyn, this next question is for you. What can people do to let the wonderful, and may I say very youthful, hosts of this podcast know you like their conversations? That's an easy one, Bob. They can write a review on Apple Podcasts and click the five stars. Correct. And for 100 bonus points, Carolyn, what if they aren't listening on Apple Podcasts? They follow the PCPS where they do listen and share, 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 share. That is right. And that's 250 points to Carolyn. It's a tied game for the tiebreaker. Ladies, how can people sign up for the PCPS fun weekly reader delivered each week straight to your inbox? Sign up for our emails at pop pop, hold on, poppreservationist.com. Start that whole thing. What do the judges say? Let's go to the judges on that. (laughs) Sign up for emails at poppreservationist.com. What she said. Well, that is correct. And that's the game. And it looks like Kristen beat you to that answer, Carolyn. Kristen, you are going home with a bunch of fun PCPS merch. Now available on the PCPS website at poppreservationists.com or at redbubble.com. Search for Society Sundries. Stickers, mugs, tote bags, apparel, magnets, and more. I was really hoping for that PCPS logo tote bag. Can you give me one of the Fisher-Price Play family stickers, please? Okay, so The Price is Right was the big money of all game shows. But we had other favorites, too, in our daytime viewing. Um, and we're each going to share just one with you today. Although I might let you guys do some honorable mentions. But just mentions. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure we have enough feelings for an entirely other um, game show episode. We could do mm-hmm. a whole episode on each individual game show. So let's make this our desert island pick. Okay? All right. Mm-hmm. You're 10 years old. You've got a bad case of strep throat. And you're stranded on the couch on a desert island. You can only watch one game show. What is it? Carolyn. Well, I'm going to give you a hint and see if you guys know what this one might be. Dumb Dora was so dumb. (laughs) How dumb was she? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That would be match game, my friends. I love it so much. And it had everything that little Carolyn loved in the TV show. Mm -hmm. It had these celebrities, and they were kind of regular people. We're kind of battle of the network stars, like, Mm -hmm. in this game show. I thought that was so incredibly fun. And I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy the double entendre kind of questions Mm -hmm. that they had. You know, Mm -hmm. John liked to always put butter on his blank. You know, just the word blank there. Muffin. <laughs> but. See, I was too young to think like oh, what we're supposed to be thinking. Me. I would think, I would go straight to butt. <laughs> no, I yeah. loved. I uh, thought it was so naughty and kind oh, of. Yes, um, exactly. You felt kind oh, of, yeah. yeah. Especially if you got it. 
Yes. And Gene Rayburn, he just had a way, uh, he was the host, and he had a way with that long microphone. I love that microphone with the tiny little button on the top. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. he just had a way of delivering those questions where it just, Mm -hmm. it's like if you didn't say a naughty answer, you sounded stupid with whatever you just said on his muffin. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. oh, muffin. Mm -hmm. But how? Anyway. Okay. Uh But Delia's like, oh, muffin. (laughs) (laughs) But believe it or not, you guys, there was a documentary on the match game called The Real Match Game Story, Behind the Blank. Oh, (laughs) I watched. Wait, I want to write that down. I want to watch that. What did you watch it on? Um, I think I just watched it on YouTube. YouTube. Yes. Okay. Um, Behind the Blank. Behind the Blank. That's perfect. So it debuted in 1973. And if you remember, one of the fun things about Match Game is it had the year after the name. So it would be Match Game 73. And then the next game year, it was Match Game 74. The first week's panelists were, get this lineup, Michael Landon, Jack Klugman, Richard Dawson, who at that time was on Hogan's Heroes, Mm -hmm. Anita Gillette. Do you remember that name? I do. Mm-mm. Yes, yes, Vicky yes, I Lawrence do, but I can't remember why. And Joanne Flug. Those were the <laughs> initial <laughs> panelists on Match Game. And then Jack Klugman, he kind of had a lot of fun on there. He couldn't be so Jack Klugman, everyone, if you don't remember, is was from the odd couple. Um, and he thought his wife might be a good panelist. So he suggested that to the producers. And they reached out to his wife, who was Brett Summers. Oh my God, I'm waiting. <gasps> Oh, my God. Yes. I knew it. I knew it. So her Mm -hmm. first appearance was um, not long after the show started, and it so happened that Charles Nelson Riley was also a panelist (laughs) on that um, episode. And Wait, they're not married? No. She's married. I thought Brett Summers and Charles Nelson Riley were a couple. No. So you've learned something new. Although Brett Summers and Jack Klugman are a good couple. And she played his ex-wife on the show. On the Odd Couple. Okay. I think it was his ex-wife. Somebody might correct me there. But she did have a part in the show, okay. in the Odd Couple. Um, but she, Brett, and Charles Nelson Riley just had this incredible chemistry and banter back mm-hmm. and forth. So much so that the producers, Mark Goodman and Bill Todman, <laughs> asked them if they would like to be regulars on the show, if mm-hmm. they would like to be regular panelists. So they signed um, Brett, Charles, and also Richard Dawson to be the three regular panelists. So I'm sure all of our listeners and you two right now can see that mm-hmm. panel board in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you always know yep. the first seat was a guest, usually a male or most often a male. Then we had Brett. Then we had Charles Nelson Riley. Then you would come mm-hmm. down to the bottom row. And I hate to say in the documentary, they called that the dumb blonde spot. And they, oh, it would always be a female. Um, um, I mm-hmm. guess lots of times it was a blonde. Um, that would be the person there. Then you'd have Richard Dawson. And then you'd have kind of that funny comedian person at the mm-hmm. end, like um, Betty White often sat there, Marsha Wallace mm-hmm. from Bob Newhart, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. She was on there a lot, yeah. Fanny Flagg. Who <laughs> were, we, Fanny yeah. Flagg. were we all blown away in the 80s when we've got Very sharp. fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe and you're saying yes. Fanny Flag? And I'm like, Fanny yeah, Flag from Match Game. I, Wait a minute. You're just. Wait a minute. No. My head's exploding. I just what? now put that that's the same Fanny Flag yes, together. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
do you guys remember one of the things I would love is that especially if like Brett Summers would write something really super funny, she would show it after that. She would, they would show <laughs> yes, it to each other. Right. Yeah. And then I loved how it was almost like they were friends. Yeah, they they would show game. each other their answers mm-hmm. and they would laugh so hard at each other's answers. I love that. Or even from the bottom row, he'd hold one up and right. like show it behind him. You yeah. guys, this might be my dream job. I feel like I missed the boat. That would be such a fun mm-hmm. job. But they would. There were some things they weren't allowed to say. So they went. Um, the contestants actually went in with the producers before the show started, and they would say, "These are the words you cannot say on TV. This is against FCC rules or whatever. Uh, you could not say urinate, but you could say tinkle or wet, but you could not say urinate. You could not. <laughs> I do remember a lot about wet. Yeah. So there was like, wet and tinkle. Is a good word. You could mm-hmm. not say word. fornicate. Like someone was going to say that, but you could say make love or, mm-hmm. or whoopee or whoopee. That's what I was going to say. That was another favorite. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> that was another favorite. Um, but every once in a while, one time Marsha Wallace said genitalia and you would have thought she said, there was like a fire in the building. The alarms went off. The sirens went off. Everyone was talking. And yeah, because genitalia evidently was not allowed to be said either. So and you, so that means you can't really replicate it today because the standards are so different for what you can say. Exactly. Where's the humor? Exactly. And they, how far mm-hmm. would you have to push the envelope to make it funny? So the show went to the early eighties and they almost said that's kind of what, what made it not as interesting anymore either is that that just wasn't as funny and organic as it used to be because so much mm-hmm. more was kind of acceptable. But you know, when they would say something about electric boobs or whatever you know it was just like and remember they would draw sometimes so like the boobs oh, would have like yes, little the o's yes, would yes. have little dipples on them or why something isn't this, uh, why isn't this a party game now and it maybe it is a party board game now because um i think we need a pcps couples game night with match game and if it's not a game we need to create it mm-hmm, I like yeah it. Mm-hmm. well um i want but only if brett summers and charles nelson riley can come <laughs> I loved him so yeah, much. Yeah, and it was really, they said, the perfect combination of game show, but also just entertainment. Like the the mm-hmm. game show aspect of it was just kind of woven into this bigger, um, almost mm-hmm. comedy show kind of thing. Gene Rayburn, when you go back and look at some of these clips, he'd come like crashing out when they'd say his name, like, and welcome to our host, Gene Rayburn. And, you know, he comes out and breaks through some cardboard door and talking into his little button. My desert island picked, I have a three-way tie. I'm just going to do this before oh, Kristen what? can. <laughs> what? Um, because I, I know Kristen's going to do one. it. No, I, know I didn't. I honestly didn't. I chose one. I really did choose Bull, one. I call foul. Anyway, so I'm going to tell wait. you about one. I'm going to okay. tell you about one of mine. Um, and my one that I picked oh, for actually, today. Oh, actually, I do kind of have some information. See, mm-hmm. You said See, honorable, comes, but it's everyone. not a favorite. It's just a just factoid. Wait it's wait just a it. factoid. You're not a It'll real always happen. Um, So the one I'm going to share with you today that was one of my very favorites is, and I love all game shows. Like now that you're talking about match game, it's like I want to go watch old match games. I know, games. me too. But the one I'm going to talk about today is the Hollywood Squares. Um, usually it was always one male and one female. Did you guys realize that played against each other? The male was always the X. The woman was always the O. Um, oh, they should have made it X's and Y's. 
Uh, yeah, right. Um, and it's just the basic tic-tac-toe rule, right? You just need to make mm-hmm. your X's need to go or your O's need to go up and vertical, horizontal, or diagonal. Um, and so, but the best is that there are nine stars, nine celebrities. So much like Match Game, you've got these celebrities kind of coming off their shows and mm-hmm. conversing with each other and just being funny. But the best to me is they sat in this gigantic three-by-three tic-tac-toe grid, like a big board. And I just thought that was the coolest that like they could, you could see the winding staircases on the side that you knew that's how the people on the top row had to get up. I wanted nothing more than to sit up in one of those top squares if I could have, if I could have ever been on the show. But it never um, occurred to me that they had to get up there. Mm -hmm. Oh, if you watch the old ones, there's winding staircases on the side all the way up to the top. Yes, it was so fun. And so, um, so basically the contestants just have to pick a celebrity and they have to answer a question. And if they agree with the celebrity's answer, they get to put an X there, right? We understand it. We're not idiots. Um, Hollywood Squares was hosted by Peter Marshall for all 15 years of its run before it went on into different iterations of it. Um, and it had that rotating cast that is honestly just brilliant. Like, brilliant. And most people, I mean, honestly, who wasn't on Hollywood Squares, like, multiple times? I even saw, I was watching an old one the other day. Um, I even saw, like, a 13-year-old Melissa Gilbert was on Hollywood Squares with all these older people. Yes, because, you know, she was, at the time, she was on a big hit show. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to just give you, the the list is tremendous of who was on Hollywood Squares. Um, I'm going to give you a list of some of um, the, kind of the Hall of Famers, Okay. Um, we have, um, George Goebel was on 490 oh, times. Harvey Corman, Rosemary was on 782 oh, times. Vin- Vincent Price was on 693 of their oh shows. Nanette Fabre, Karen Valentine was on 259 episodes. Maury Amsterdam, 241 episodes. Bill Bixby, remember Wayland and Madam with the puppet? Yes. <laughs> uh huh. But the best, you guys, the best, best, best who everyone associates with Hollywood Squares is the center square. And that's Mm. Paul End. And Paul End was on all 1,079 episodes of the Hollywood Squares. Wow. Really? Um, Yes. Yeah. There was a couple. I'll tell you why he wasn't in in, in just a handful of them in just a minute. But like um, in 1968, after two years on the show... Uh, Paul End was so popular that he became the regular center square. And from 1968 on, he was featured in that very important center square, the one that everybody's, everybody, well, you don't always need it unless if you're on the top row and, you know, but it's, it's, it's the a most useful square, square, right? Yeah. And one thing is that, so he became the regular center square after 1968. And you guys, his like just outrageous jokes and one-liners earned him three Daytime Emmy Award nominations in 1972, 1973, and 1974. For being for being the on the Hollywood Squares. On mm-hmm. a game show, not yeah. the host or anything. Right, so he's right. he's basically a guest. He's yeah. a guest yeah. on a game show. And he got how many? Yeah. Three, three. nominations. 72, wow. 73, and um 74. Yeah. And his jokes, I mean, they were so snarky and risque and naughty, and they were just hilarious. He would even um, he almost always alluded to or poked fun at his sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of his best one-liners. Here's one of them. Why does a chef pound his meat? Oh, God. And Paul Lind <laughs> goes, loneliness. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, that was a good impersonation. Here's another good one. Uh, uh, thank you. Peter Marshall says, uh, Paul, can anything bring tears to a monkey's eyes? And he thinks for a minute and he says, Learning that Tarzan swings both ways. 
And then here's one of my favorites. According to the book, An Encyclopedia of Fairies, who's generally, who's generally better looking, a fairy or a pixie? <laughs> Looks aren't everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see his face. When oh, he's yes. done, he does a like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he kind of mm-hmm. leans forward. Yeah. You know, yep. it's a fun fact about the show, though. These funny answers, they called them zingers on the show. And all of, mm-hmm. the, all of the celebrities gave zingers. Mm-hmm. Just no one quite like Paul Lynn did. They were all actually written for the show, and the actors were briefed beforehand with the one-liners. Like, they didn't know the actual answer. They were given answer. the one-liners? They were given one-liners by a, okay. um, a team of comedy writers before the show. Now, I'm going to guess Paul Lind came up with a lot of his for on sure. his own. Um, yeah, so um, I was going to tell you real quick, um, back to uh, Paul Lind, um, he was on for the entire run. But he actually left briefly in 1980, and then the ratings went down, naturally, right? So they asked him to come back, and he agreed, but only if he got equal billing with host Peter Marshall. Really? So for the handful of shows it's on, I think it's only on for one more season after mm-hmm. 1980, Paul, it's like the Hollywood Squares with Peter Marshall and Paul Lind. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm assuming yeah. that came with more money, because that would be yeah, quite and an he was trip. He was just brilliant, right? So funny. Mm-hmm. I can remember this show just, um, the reason that this show edged out my other ones just by a, mm-hmm. a smidgen for this um, episode is because I remember watching Hollywood Squares with my daddy and I can remember us laughing together, especially at Paul End. And you guys, I even think I have a memory of my daddy doing a pretty good impression of him that would just make me laugh um, uh, so much because especially when I got Paul End's jokes, I thought that was like, I, yeah. I was kind of in a, a special club. You're but, a big um, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so my desert island pick. I'm stranded on the couch with strep throat, and I'm going to choose the newlywed game. <laughs> I loved the newlywed I can, game. Like, hear the, I can hear the um, theme song. on their little yeah. wheels, you know, on their yes, little motorized sliding things. Sliding There's probably in, a yeah. guy behind of like pushing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so high tech. Um, yeah. So the Newlywed Game was a game show that put newly married couples against each other. I can't even believe I have to say this. Doesn't everybody know? Yeah, we know. a series of revealing questions to determine how well they either know or do not know each other. And it grew out of the smashing success of the dating game. It came out of the dating game, which c- was created by... Chuck Barris. Do you guys remember the gong show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to say anything at all about the gong show because that's a whole episode. Oh, my the gosh. The gong show is a whole it's episode. It's got to be. Oh, yeah. So they basically said to Chuck Barris, all right, the dating game, huge hit. What else have you got? And he thought, well, a natural progression from dating is marriage. So let's try this. Um, it was hosted by Bob Eubanks for most of its time on the air, which was a lot. There were many, many versions of the of the newlywed game in every decade from starting in 1966 all the way through 2013. There were so many iterations of the newlywed game. Um, but there were also a bunch of other people, including um, Sherry Shepard from The View. Uh, Carney Wilson hosted for a while, who was the daughter, of course, of Brian Wilson. And, of course, Wilson Phillips. Don't forget Wilson Phillips. Um, okay, but Bob Eubanks is definitely the best with his helmeted hair. Um, I would call Bob Eubanks unflappable. 
totally, he was cool as a cucumber and he'd have kind of a small little chuckle when somebody said something cheeky because it was, of course, just like all of these very dependent on double entendres. The theme music to the game show, to the newlywed show, was performed by Trumpets Olay, which was a knockoff of Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. Tijuana Brass, Trumpets Olay. It's kind of the same. Then they added the first part of the wedding march, da 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 to fit the theme of the show a little bit better. Um, but the Newlywood game is probably the most famous for the phrase Whoopie. I bet. Making Whoopie. Yeah. Making Whoopie. Which was the euphemism they came up for for, for sexual intercourse. Right. Or fornication. To avoid s- fornication. Yes, fornication. You can't say <laughs> fornicate. Right. Um in 1966, you couldn't say sex. So they say, they're like, what are we going to say? Because it was really the first show where they sort of alluded to that. Um, but the show became so associated with making whoopee that they kept using it e- long after the censors allowed people to say sex on TV. They could have said making love. Or they could have said all of these other things that people said on other game shows. But they stuck with making whoopee, even into the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Okay, do you guys know what the prize was for winning the newlywed game in 1966? Mm. Was it like a refrigerator? I think nope. it was one of my favorite. Was it a bedroom suit or a bedroom suite? I like a bedroom suit better. <laughs> Is that like jammies? Your bedroom <laughs> yeah. suit? A onesie? I never knew how to say it or whatever. But, you know, a lot of times it was a bedroom suit. Sweet. Whatever. Mm. <laughs> what? A year's no. supply of rice roni The San Francisco The San treat? Francisco treat. Razzaroni beanie. Um, no, the <laughs> the prize for winning the newlywed game in 1966 was a toaster. That's it. Oh. <laughs> a toaster. Because they found when they gave them bigger prizes, people got violent. Because what? the stakes were so much higher. Remember how when oh, it's always the wife getting mad at the husband and mm-hmm. they would bash yeah. him over the head with their big with their card? Cards. Yeah. yeah. The higher, the more valuable the prize was, the higher stakes were, the, and the angrier they got, and people would yeah. get violent. So they're like, ooh, no more refrigerators. See, Let's I think just it's a great a idea. I think it's a great idea to keep having better prizes, because then if you're Chuck Barris, you think, oh, you know what? Now I'm going to start a game called, like, Divorce Court, or the Divorce <laughs> yes. Game, with all of these people, right? Yep. Do you guys want to know who the who the first um, gay couple was on the new oh, game? Oh, they're famous? 2010. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because mm. they were on a celebrity edition of the Newlywood Game. Yeah, no, I don't know. It was George Takai and his husband, oh. George Takai from Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I used to call Star Trek. I love when him. He's I got a, a fantastic Instagram feed. Yes, he does. I love it. And he was playing against Peter Brady and his oh. wife Adrian Curry. Remember My Fair Brady? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christopher mm-hmm. Knight and uh, and I think George Takai won because he's clever. Yeah, right? he's super. Clever. Yeah, he's super funny. I think the most famous moment of the Newlywed Game never actually made it on the air. Mm-hmm. You've all heard the story oh, about yeah. Bob Eubanks asking, oh, "Where it. is the most unusual place you've ever made Whoopi?" And the contestant answers, "Dead be in the butt, Bob." <laughs> that be in the butt, Bob. That be in the butt, Bob. <laughs> that never actually made it to the air, but we all think that it did. Um, Wait, that's so not an urban mind, legend <laughs> that really happened. Oh, God. Well, I yes, it did really happen, but not the way that we think okay. it is. So we all said, dead being debut, Bob. And mm-hmm. so I pictured a large, ignorant man in overalls saying, dead being debut, Bob. Um, it's a woman, coming. I think, isn't it? It was a I woman. It was a woman. Yeah. yeah. It was a woman from, um, from Pennsylvania, actually. Um, and so what she said was, that would be in the ass, Bob. 
is what she actually oh. said. And he quickly was like, no, 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 no. We mean location. And then she was very <laughs> embarrassed and she changed her answer. And that never actually came on the yeah. air. Yeah, um, so that. that line supposedly came out when Chuck Barris wrote a tell-all like quasi-autobiography um, called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And they tracked the woman down because he wanted to put that line in his book. And she was like, oh my God, please no. I am a grandmother now. I don't want that out in the world. And Chuck Barris said, here's $5,000. And she said, dead being to butt, Bob. Um, so the line is so legendary that Bob Eubanks even titled his own memoir. It's yeah. in the book, Bob. Uh, that would be in the book, Bob. Isn't that, that, would what it's the book. that would be it, in the book, Bob. Well, unfortunately, yeah. it's not. It seems like a miss. It's actually called It's in the Book, Bob. Oh. I don't know who did that. It should be that'd be in the book, Bob. Um, he actually wanted to make it. It's that would be. Like put on the cover, that'd be in the butt, Bob, and then cross right. out butt and put book, but the publishers wouldn't let him. So oh, that's unfortunate. Okay, so this is very interesting. In 1979, Chuck Barris created a spinoff of the Newlywed Game, and it was called Three's a Crowd, and it was the same concept as the Newlywed Game, the same exact format, except the game included, <laughs> I can't even believe this, a man, his wife, and his secretary. And the oh. concept was to see who knew the man best. Oh, no. It didn't get very far because just the concept alone was so scandalous that a lot of networks refused to air it because, um, hey, let's normalize adultery. Yeah. <laughs> um, Man, I mean, it was horrible. violence. Here, yeah. There could have been some real violence on that. I one. mean, seriously, think about that. So here's just from watching like five minutes of Three's a Crowd, here are are the first three questions that they're asking of the men. Number Question number one. When it comes to sex with your secretary, <gasps> are you holding yourself back or letting yourself go? That's Wait, the first question. what? I'm totally serious. I thought you meant like who knew him better, yeah. like what he likes to order yeah. for dinner right. or what his favorite, what, you know, happy hour cocktail is. I don't know how this <gasps> made it to the air. Here's, here's the next one. Your secretary is going to ask you in her sexiest voice for a $5 raise. What do you do? Do you say yes or no? Oh, that's a terrible, that's a gross show. I don't like it. It's that. disgusting. It's disgusting. Okay, how about this? This is worse. We're going to give your wife your secretary's chest. What else from your secretary would you like your wife to have physically? One guy said her smile and the judges wouldn't let him have it because it's not physical. He had to say something physical. Ugh. Totally serious. So, obviously, this does not go over well. The network refuses to air it. It ruined Chuck Barris's reputation and led to the cancellation of every show that he had on, on TV, including oh, no. the newlywed game. Oh, The newlywed game, the dating game, and the gong show, and Three's a Crowd all get canceled because this show just tanks his reputation Because he's completely. so gross. Because he's so gross. So that's my favorite. That was my newlywed game was my all time favorite. But do you guys have any honorable mentions that you'd like to talk about in our next game show episode? Yes, I do. I had I was narrowed down to to three, and one of my other ones, Family Feud. I mean, uh, classic, for sure, right? right? We for have sure. to talk yes. about Family Feud, mm -hmm. and the other one that nobody else will probably want to talk about. But this is something my husband and I bonded over early in our relationship. We are both nuts over the game show Card Sharks. <laughs> 
That's such a grandma show. <gasps> we love card sharks. Higher, lower, high. All you have to know is, you know, um, yeah, we surveyed 100 women again. and asked them, would you pose nude for $900,000? How many women said they How many women said they would? And all you have to do is go, I don't know, 42. And if you're a contestant, you just have to go, nah, it's going to be lower than that. That's all you have to know. Oh, oh my that God. was so boring. You don't oh, so anything. fun. Oh, stop ridiculing my choices. God damn it. <laughs> Every that episode. Sounded, that was such a grandma <laughs> response right there. It, the whole thing is just aligning perfectly for your grandma show. Um, oh. I I really loved um, Tic-Tac-Doe with Wink Martindale, as I mentioned Terrible. before. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tic-Tac-Doe. Uh, and you know what? The reason Martindale. I love it, it might, some of this has to do with timing. What time was it on? And was I home? I mean, that could, it's just that I was watching it. And so That's then right. you get attached. Um, I loved the $10,000 pyramid. Oh, I loved did too. It with I did Dick too. Clark. I loved, I loved it. it when Donny Osmond hosted it too. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about what that. What iteration was that? Mm-hmm. It was fun because, again, that was something where celebrities came on and, yeah. and that was really fun. I loved Name That Tune when Kathy oh, Lee Gifford too. was mm-hmm. the yes. person who would sing some of them. Um, yeah. I My record it. was One Note. Oh, very good. I know. Wow. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Michelle, I, I'm sorry. Card Sharks is really, it is a good show. <laughs> we like it. We watched a whole episode last night. Just enough time to invite you to join us the next time we play Card Sharks. Bye-bye for now. Have a good day. Bye-bye. I think that's it for us today. Thank you all for listening. And in the words of our beloved daytime TV sick day dad... This is Bob Barker, reminding you to help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Goodbye, everybody. Join us next week, you guys. We will be fresh from Palm Springs, dissecting the Barry Manilow concert. Cannot wait. Okay, and this is the part where you probably all turn me off, but don't. Because here's the thing. If you enjoy this podcast and enjoy hearing us talk, and Lord knows our husbands are sick of it, and so grateful (laughs) to all of you for stepping up, the only way we know we are getting heard is by the silly numbers. So the more people you share the PCPS with, the better. And in the same vein, the only way we know people like us, you like us, you like, you really, really like us, is by the reviews and the ratings on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't followed or left a review yet, please, please do. It is what keeps us motivated and keeps us talking. And you guys asked for it, so we delivered. Check out our super fun PCPS merch, now available via our website at poppreservationists.com. We have so many fun designs from our PCPS groovy flower logo to Fisher Price Little People to Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the gang at Three's Company. Jack Tripper, Chrissy Snow, and Janet Wood, two good times. Two happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. Cheers. Information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to me, the Crushologist, and Carolyn and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, I guess there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded at Modern Well, a woman-centered co-working space in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song